So to have these people come in and divulge that and be able to get it out. And then maybe they're scared. They're watching everybody else climb and they're like, there's no way I can do that. I can't, uh -uh. I'm not going to do it. And where it's always challenged by choice, but then to get them on the rock and have them climb up and hit the, you know, be at the top of the pitch is just, and how they come down and feel about themselves, like that before and after, they're just like, oh my God. Like that they confidence. just gain that confidence and that self-worth because again, they're not believing they're worth it. They don't think that they deserve to come out and do this. And just like, just that one activity. And then you put like, this is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up? And welcome to episode 55 of Life in Motion. So a couple of months ago, I had Nate Gillette on uh, from No Barriers to talk about their backcountry program. And while him and I were chatting, he also mentioned that they have a caregiver program. So today I've got Heather Zakali on the line, who's the manager of the No Barriers Caregiver Program. Um, I'm excited to hear her story and also more about how she's helping others with the program. Uh, but Heather, thank you for being on the show today. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, of course. With yes, me too. So, so before we get started uh, or start talking about the, the caregiver program itself, um, let's, let's talk about you a little bit, you know, kind of set the stage of who you are. So, you know, where, where you grew up, hobbies you had growing up, sort of what, what led you down the path that you are at now? Oh, Lord, that's a, that's a real roller coaster of a ride. Um, <laughs> so strap in. Um, we, I grew up primarily in Appalachia between, um, was born in Virginia and then raised uh, in like the Asheville Hickory area of North Carolina. Well, hold Nashville. on, I, I'm going to yeah. interrupt you real quick. Where were you born in Virginia? Or... Roanoke. Okay, so I'm originally from Virginia. Oh, are um, you what part? Uh, the Northern Neck, all the way on the East Coast. So like uh, okay. Lancaster County, Whitestone, Irvington. Yeah, so, so Finn Castle is where like all the Williamson family lives and have been oh. there for like since we came over. And so, awesome. yeah. Sorry, yeah. just a, a slow side bit there. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. It's nice to know like... <laughs> where folks are from and you can relate and picture it you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so we moved a, a, a bit until like kind of middle school high school so like I said North Carolina Nashville and then um Bowling Green Kentucky which is um like an hour north of Nashville as you're getting into kind of the Daniel Boone National Forest that area and so that's where I mainly grew up um, and so you have that kind of Appalachia feel, which is kind of, you know, dual, you have, def I definitely had kind of more of the, I don't want to be derogatory, like, you know, hill people, they're not, I mean, they're proud of that, right? People that are yeah. in the hills and that part of my family was, um, really outdoorsy and hunted and fished and camped and like did all of that side. And then the more kind of city folk, I guess you could say, um, was we always lived in the country but uh, like I grew up riding horses and you know just with my brothers I had two brothers we were constantly you know that was the age where I think they call it free range now it was just growing up when I was growing up but <laughs> <laughs> like we were out you know you mom kicked you out and you didn't come home until it was dark and then me and my brothers would make forts and be in the dirt and 
jump in these crazy rivers that I can't believe like we survived through. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, whoa, that was not <laughs> probably the best decisions. And then, you know, just kind of country stuff. Like I said, we would canoe, we would hike, camp, hunt, all that kind of stuff. And then you had kind of the other where you were out with horses and um, kind of that. And then my mom is into the arts and stuff. And so was my dad. And so I had that kind of, that dual um, going to plays and symphonies and opera and then go, you know, get dirty and totally be like Lord of the flies. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you had a a pretty good balance then. Did um, like when you, I know you primarily grew up in in Kentucky, but was your family kind of outdoorsy before they got out there too? Or is that just kind of a project of, you know, you sort of living in the country? Dad grew up in the country, so he had always kind of been exposed, you know, to that. He wasn't um, super, super outdoorsy, but he had always loved animals and loved being in nature. And he also was a landscape architect, so obviously being in the soil and plants and things were important to him. And my mom um, was in Greensboro, North Carolina, and she's she was always active. So, yeah, I mean, like a we would either be at the gym or we would go hiking and things like that. So before, I would say, yeah, a balance, maybe not crazy, you know, they weren't gnarly or anything, but just <laughs> they, <laughs> liked being in nature. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then you said you kind of got into the, the arts and stuff as well. Did you, I, I get, I would assume you drove down to Nashville for that or was there stuff around you? Well, yeah, Nashville is a big part um, of growing up and being around all of the music. And then Western Kentucky University is in our, in Bowling Green, and they have a pretty big arts scene there and music. And then also I was in theater and dance. And so, you know, it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of always around us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah, we did make trips down to Nashville, but then I was always involved either in dance or theater. So it was just kind of always around me. That's, that's awesome. That sounds like. Yeah, it it was, it was great. You know, like my family was like dysfunctional one-on-one, like on a pretty high level, (laughs) but I tell people as much craziness and like pretty severe stuff going on. We had this balance of, I do have these great memories and I grew up pretty like in this beautiful area and got to, really be free and have so much fun and try so many different things. So, I mean, it, it, it balances out in my mind. Like that's pretty lucky. I feel even with all the craziness going on. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's awesome. It sounds like a a great balance to sort of have. So, so kind of as you were growing up and, you know, grew up in, in the, the arts and dance and that kind of stuff, what, what kind of, what, what was the next chapter? Oh my goodness. So actually in high school, I had a friend, Fran. Well, I had two experiences that really kind of sent me out West. My friend Fran um, was like, hey, I'm going to go on this rafting trip. Do you want to go with me? It's down the Okoe, the Chituba, the Nanahela. We're going to camp and do all these things. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I went on that trip with her and that was just like, oh my God, I love like we would go canoeing, you know, but not whitewater rafting. And <laughs> that just was like, oh my God, this is so awesome and so fun. And you know, like river guides, right? If you've done that at all, you know, there's just this, like, there are certain type and it was so cool and, and um, focused, but chill. And I just loved that. And then my, um, let's see, I called him my uncle, but he's like my dad's cousin. He taught petroleum engineering at the University of Wyoming. 
Interesting. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. And so he was like, why don't you come out and check out? I think you would like, like it out here. And so I go to visit him when I'm 16 and just absolutely fell in love with the West, with Colorado, Wyoming. We had so much fun and we visited all the like University of Wyoming, Colorado State University in Boulder. And I was like, I'm going to apply there. I, that's where I want to go. And then two, to kind of get out of my, my family situation. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm going to get away. So that was my focus. And I p- ended up picking Laramie of all places um, to go to school to. So I, as soon as I was 18 and graduated, my grandparents and I did a road trip out here and they moved me to Wyoming and um, kind of the rest is history there. And that's, I mean, you go from Kentucky, Wyoming, it's totally like culture shock, landscape shock, everything. So it was super exciting. You know, when you get to a new place, I tried everything, climbing and cross country skiing and skate skiing. And I was never, I'm not, I think I follow with my parents. I'm not like all gnarly, like all epic. I'm just like, yeah. Some of my friends would be like, oh, when I was crazy bike ride, did this, I don't know, 15 pitch climb. Not really, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like what you do, Heather? I'm like, I went hiking. <laughs> <laughs> but so you still, you guys still had equally a good time though, right? So yeah, totally. Like it's for me, nature, I think has always been, um, being out in the forest and like, so it rejuvenates your soul and it makes you put things in perspective. You know, like we're so tiny and we're here on such a short time, but man, I just want to soak up as much as I can. And so for nature, that's always been me. Not necessarily what I'm doing in it is if I'm in it, you know, it's like that. (sighs) Yeah. The kind of uh, breath of fresh air. So, so out of curiosity, so the only person, the only family member, I mean, cause that's, I mean, you know, basically across the, the, the States, basically moving out there <laughs> was your, your uncle um, or your dad's cousin. So what did you, cause you know, you know, going remember back to, to my college days and stuff, you know, I know there are people that, you know, were afraid to live an hour away from their parents, mm-hmm. you know, and you making that move out there and kind of going on in and maybe, maybe you're, you were fine with it the whole time, but was there ever times like where that nature aspect of, you know, that breath of fresh air getting out there kind of helped with like any uncertainty that you had, you know, as, as a, being a kid out there, you know, like, Oh wow, I'm so far away. I can't, you know, just drive home and, you know, see whoever in an hour, it's a, it's a whole deal. So did, did that ever like help in that sense? And, and maybe I'm just making no, some yeah. up, but. Well, I was definitely the odd, kind of one of the oddballs in my, like most everybody in from my high school stayed around, you know, or went close and then came back. Um, I was definitely the only one that was there. Like you're going where and what? <laughs> There's more cows than people there. And so I was like, I kind of want that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, I loved it, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, obviously, I really, I was, I was super close to my grandparents, and that's who I miss the most, like, not being able to just take up for the weekend to go see them, you know, but I talked to them, I was constant contact, so, and they were so excited for me, you know what I mean, because they traveled a lot, and so I got that travel bug from them, and they were like, you know, tell us what you're doing, and they would, it was kind of fun to have that support where some other families were like, I'm not sure what you're why you're doing this is this right and you know blah 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 and i every time i was out and doing something in nature in there i was couldn't be happier with my decision that was definitely a good move 
that's that's <laughs> awesome and it's, and it's cool too that you had that that support to do that um and and i i'm sort of in, so once i graduated uh college myself i've moved out from virginia to i'm now in springfield missouri so i kind of had the mm. same the, the same situation in a sense as far as moving far away so that's why i was curious to kind of know how how that was so that's awesome yeah yeah it's good you know and i think i'm a big believer in you have your family that's blood and then i have a, like a chosen family and i've been yeah. really lucky to have such a supportive amazing i've just met such so amazing so many amazing people out here and that you know sometimes when they're friends with me i'm like oh my god that's crazy you're friends with me like <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like i feel so lucky <laughs> so it's it's that part i think was really valuable at a young age to realize too that's, at 18. yeah no that's that's great so so exploring uh, out there, um, out west and whatnot, then what, what kind of was the step after, you know, graduating or, you know? Oh, um, so I, um, as we do in our young ages, <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I met a boy um, and got married really young and had a kiddo at 21. And so that, and then we didn't, it was a pretty short um togetherness and so i moved back home actually when connor my oldest son connor was 10 months and i moved back home for like six seven months and i was like oh my gosh okay i don't want to be here <laughs> just because you know a new baby and all this i was just like oh my god what have i done and then i moved back and i was like okay this is where i want to be i know that i've got this and so then i went um back to school and um, in school, uh, I know this is, I've never really talked about this part, that's funny. Um, I met my husband now after I had been in school for a while and he was actually from California and came out to Wyoming as well, another across the states <laughs> to, <laughs> to fight fire and ski bum and work for the forest service. And then he had been out there like six years in Jackson Hole and came down to Wyoming to go to school. And so we met and just had a lot of fun and um, ended up just randomly getting married. So I had all this in like such a short time and my friend was like, Heather, you're packing it all in. I'm like, I know, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but um, so after that, I was teaching dance because I studied theater and dance. And what I taught, what I went for obviously, because I wasn't gonna go for the performance dance. It's to teach, and I found it's this thing called creative, creative movement and brain compatible dance education. Okay. And that's where um, brain dance is made by Anne Green Gilbert, and it's based on our first eight patterns of life that we have. Like, basically, you think of a baby in the womb and coming out till they walk, all those patterns. She worked with her husband, who's a neurologist, and they realized they were seeing kids coming in with. Um, they just weren't moving and connecting the way they used to. And it comes back long story. I'll make this short. comes back to like screen time and what kids are learning. And if we give them a, she basically tummy time. I'm sure you have kids. You get that. You've heard of that. Yeah. That was her, she, her and Bonnie Brainbridge were like tummy time and crawling is so important. And these kids aren't getting it because we're putting them in chairs. We're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. And so through her dance education, she made this brain dance. And so I studied underneath her and she's a mentor and she's just amazing. And then my teachers in Wyoming really encouraged me. And so you would go into schools and you would work with the teachers and find out the curriculum and you would 
open up with brain dance. And so you'd get the kids out of their seats and they would be running around and crawling and jumping and partnering with each other and making up pieces that maybe went to a poem or doing math through movement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it, we kids don't all learn the same, right? You, you're auditory, you're tactile, you're, um, so the, you know, uh, all these different ways you learn. And so it puts it all together and it also like helps build life skills for kids. And two, it gets them out of the seats, you know, like you, People were like, you had kids running around in the classroom. I'm like, yeah, like they love it. When you yeah. <laughs> direct they're, them. They're kids. They're kind of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, that's what they want to do. <laughs> so if you're having them learn that way, then they're having fun. And we all learn better when we're having fun, right? So our best, as I'd say, the wrong English or whatever it would be. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was doing. Um, and then we moved down to Fort Collins, Colorado, where we are now. Um, I had my youngest son, who's now 18, which is crazy. <laughs> and um, I continued on. Um, I found someone here that um, knew, kind of talk about a small world. They knew somebody that my husband used to ski bum with in Jackson Hole. And they're like kind of the top avalanche researchers in the country. And she was like, hey, I do dance and I'd love to um you know, have you come and teach with me. And so then we started our own dance company and I was teaching dance here. So that's kind of how all that came to be. Um, but yeah, so you where you think theater and dance wouldn't get you a job. It actually led to several jobs for me. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's, it's cool. It's cool hearing that. Um, cause I, cause I did see, you know, when I was checking on the website and stuff, you know, the brain compatible dance education. Yeah. I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't really expecting you to, to match that with, math per se or you know i or kind of combine those two so that's kind of a really unique way to to do things i feel like it's awesome yeah i personally and i you know it's hard going up against people that are like that you know no you this is how you learn i'm like you know what when you get kids to do that the research shows that their test scores go up because that's a big one that you know your administrators care about and then having to convince teachers that trust me i know i'm going to get the kids running around and all this but it, it'll be okay <laughs> yeah like you know like just just bear with me and it's not just me running around with scarves too you get that a lot <laughs> oh that's so cute you run around with scarves mm, no not really but <laughs> a little bit more to that <laughs> yeah it should be in every school I I totally firmly believe that um because it's great for kids they learn the research shows it and um and it's fun right yeah I mean, you want your kids to have fun <laughs> Yeah, you're less likely to fall asleep at, at the desk if you're uh, up and around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so after that, you kind of got some opportunities, you know, teaching some other dance classes and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, I know at, at uh, some point you started the ARC Foundation. Yeah, so that... Um, to get us to that point, we fast forward, I had dealt with some pretty severe. So I, let me back up, I'll backtrack. I've been a caregiver my whole life. My father had um, an acquired brain injury and had multiple sclerosis. So I helped care. Oh. That happened when the stroke happened when I was nine and left him partially paralyzed. Wow. And so I, it, it kind of fell on my, everything transitions when you have somebody that happens with a change, right? Like mom had to go to work, dad was home. Um, we went, that all completely changed. And then I would be the one helping dad like with his rehab stuff. And then I had two brothers. Um, one had severe mental issues. And then my mom as well had pretty severe mental issues. Um, 
mental health stuff that she um, did and does to this day deal with. And I, it, it all kind of fell on me, you know, it, it's just how it happened. And so then when I left, I was able to kind of get a, a reprieve and find out, you know, who I was again and really go for that and get solid in that. And then um, I got sick when the boys were little um, with several um, between, I've, I've had a couple bouts with cancer and I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and all kinds of like a nocturnal seizure thing that goes along with that. So yeah. that kind of all hit it, it at once and it put me on the other side of caregiving, which gave me a really unique perspective and I think helps me to this day. Um, and then six years ago this month, my eldest son, who at the time was 16, he's now 23, was, um, it was a typical morning, like, not, I won't say typical, but we got up and we were arguing and I look now, I'm like, oh my gosh, why are that so dumb that we were arguing over that? But we were arguing that morning over like he's you're not living up to your potential and blah, 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 you know this is what i think you should be doing and he was like as a 16 year old does pushes back yeah and then yeah and he like slammed the door and usually if we fought and always to the boys i'm like i love you make good choices and i didn't get that out that morning and as he was stomping off i looked at my husband and i was like oh i hate leaving it like that that's like oh i just hate it and he's like i know well well you know make up this evening and I had had a really bad migraine and so I went to go lay down and I remember I heard all these crazy sirens and I was like oh my gosh I hope whoever that was is okay I say that because my husband comes probably 15 minutes later screeching in the door and slam it's like what are you why are you not answering your phone and I was like I had a headache I laid down what's going on he's like Connor's been in a serious accident and I, and it hit me. I was like, oh my God, those sirens were for oh. Connor. Like, holy, I should, like, you know. And then you just raced till I had free, I looked at my husband, I'm like, oh my God, what, is the la what if that's the last, our last words? And he's like, I know I've been thinking the same thing. So I call the hospital. They don't tell you much. They just say he's in critical condition. You need to get here quick. So when we get there, the um, care coordinator comes out and, you know, says, I'm going to take you into this room for the, ER doctor and police and at that time the police didn't register either because you know that's like you go into fight or flight and you're just like okay we got to what happened what's going on I want to see them those are the main things in your brain um and the ER doctor was like right now he does not have the use of his legs I you know we don't obviously can't tell you in the future but we need to get him in surgery we need to make this happen now and then he said I want to tell you that you have what an amazing kiddo you have because the whole time from when the people, oh wait, I didn't say what, yeah, I guess this is what happened. He, it was a hit and run. Um, he was walking to school and somebody hit him and left. And so the people behind him stopped. They were his, you know, uh, whatever, I mean, they were his saviors, you know, yeah. stopped and found him. And so from, from them to the ER doctor, he was the whole time he didn't say wasn't complaining about pain or the fact that his legs weren't working. He was like, have you gotten in touch with my mom yet? Have you gotten in touch? You got to tell her I'm so sorry. I'm going to be a better son. I'm like, as a parent, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? And I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, thanks. I just, I want to see him. I want him not to worry about that. Like, I just, you know, when can I see him? And he's like, give us a few and we'll get you in there. And so then the policeman came and that's when we found out it was a hit and run and yada yada and I just said yeah I gotta table that because I've got I, I can't like my brain 
can't process that yeah. right now that somebody would do that, especially to a kid. So um, when I finally got to see him, he has these big blue eyes and, um, and he looked at me and these tears were like coming down. He's like, mom, I was such a a-hole and I'm so sorry. And I, I'm going to be a better son. Do you forgive me? And I was like, oh my gosh, Connor. Like I, same here. We were not our best selves this morning and that's okay. We're going to let that go. We're going to move on. I'm here for you. I want you to know that everything that we've done before, we're going to get out there and do again. It's just going to look different. I'm going to be beside you. And, you know, we got this. I just need you to get through this surgery and I'll see you on the other side. And then he looked at me and he said, can you fix my legs? And I was like, oh, again, like, as a parent, you're supposed to protect. I mean, like they would have fixed things and I couldn't. And that was really hard, but I, you know, I had to be, I've, I'm pretty brutally honest with my kids. Always have been, well, with everybody. And I just, you know, you can't sugarcoat that. And I was like, I can't fix your legs. And that breaks like my heart, but I just can't. And, but again, we'll go back to, I promise you're going to have a kick-ass life because we're going to figure this out. We're going to get you through it. We'll get your rehab and just get through this surgery. And so then that next morning, <laughs> We asked him how he felt, my husband did, and he looked up, oh, we jumped out of medicine, and he was like, like I got hit by a mm -mm car. And so the whole room just broke out in laughter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're gonna be okay. He has his humor, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's humor, good. Yeah. And so that thrust me again into that caregiver role. And so we went down to Craig Hospital, which is in Denver, our way, one of the top rehab for spinal cord injury and brain injury in the country, which I didn't know until obviously you're in that. And me and Connor spent two months there. Um, and then, and you, they just keep you so busy. And being, I always say this half joking and I have, we have really dark humor in our family, but if you're gonna get paralyzed, like Colorado is the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what we're like, we're kind of lucky because we have Craig, and then there's adaptive everything, like literally besides underweaving basket or underwater basket weaving, <laughs> yeah. like, like we've been able to find everything that he has been able to do. And Craig has been a great resource for that. And so, you know, he's tried skiing and basketball and um, rat, I mean, you name it basically. I mean, horseback riding, like he rides horses which is crazy yeah and which scares i can't be around for that one i'm like eh, there's some things i just want you to tell me after <laughs> like, i don't want to know um and so during that process i realized um pretty quickly it c consumes everything and again it has that shift in the family where my younger son was feeling left out. You have to work on your marriage and your friendships and you're trying to juggle on my career. I had to like give that up to take care of him. And for me, I had to self-identify really quickly that I needed to start taking care of myself or it wasn't gonna be good for any of us. And so I reached out to other caregivers that were their family members and said, hey, let's go grab a drink, it's across the street. And they all looked at me like I was crazy and they're like, are we allowed to do that? I remember that struck me. I was like, what? Of course, yeah. Like, if we need a drink, it's probably right now. I mean, you know, yeah, there's yeah. ever been a time in our lives. So I'm pretty sure right now is it. And I was like, yeah, we're allowed to do that. And let's go do it. And so that 
hit me that caregivers do not give themselves permission to start taking care of themselves. And really, I mean, if, if you start that habit in the rehab or after the change happened, like that's the best thing you can do, but I know there's a lot going on. And so I started looking up for organizations that supported caregivers. I didn't find what I wanted. Um, like there's a lot of online and how to be like, like how to, like how to prevent bed sores, how to do um, bowel program, but not like, what about you as a person? Yeah. Your caregiver role. And there just wasn't anything. And I was blown away by that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start something that like, if I want to do it, I can't be the only person, right? Like somebody else is thinking this. And so I started the Arch Foundation, um, which stands for uh, Advocacy, Research, Caregiving, and Hope. The boys oh. helped me come up with that. Um, and that they were like, well, as, you know, if you go through an arch, it's like you have this transition and they're like, our oh. family transition. I was like, look at you guys. And That's good. Like, yeah. I know. You guys are smarter than you look. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I just started um, like monthly meetings. We have, it's cocktails for caregivers. And it's basically, it is a support group, but we have a little more fun with it and um i'm really big about this is time to talk about you like yeah how are you doing like have you done anything for yourself like are you um finding you know just all of that how's your self-worth i mean because caregivers there's 53 million in the united states and the fact that i couldn't easily type in something to find care for that was or organizations that support them was pretty crazy to me yeah yeah. And so we would get together and then I would like one day we would go hiking or we would be go paddleboarding or we'd do yoga, things like that, that we met monthly and just things, like I said, to get us out of our caregiving room, get us around other people that get it. Cause you do, I wanted a safe space to where if you feel like you want to say today, Oh my God, I can't stand my loved one. I'm to push him out the door. That's okay. And people aren't going to think you're horrible, you know, because yeah. that's a natural like you shouldn't feel bad about that. And so I wanted to create that kind of safe space to have that and be able to express what you want to and say what you need. And then also start giving back to yourself and kind of go through all the stuff that you should. Like there's obviously grief. I grieved for Connor because of what he lost and then has to gain and refine and all that. But then you have your own grief right like I have my grief that oh my gosh this totally shifted my life is going to look totally different I have to give up my career and what do I do you know and we oftentimes caregivers don't do that and 40 to 60 percent are majorly depressed 40 to 60 percent think of self-harm to themselves or the caregivers their health is really poor I mean it, it really affects the whole person and so just to kind of start giving some love back to yourself and finding out who you are loss of self is a big one Every time I read an application for our retreats at No Bears, which I'll touch on, like, I don't know who I am anymore when I look in the mirror. I used to like be so active and I've gained all this weight. And I like, I'm just so angry and sad, like all these emotions that they haven't given themselves the permission and time to kind of go through that and heal. And for me being outside, like I said, was so healing that I was like, you know what, we need time to rest. And then shut our brains off kind of and go do something fun go push you outside your comfort zone to go river rafting or go hiking or 
like this last retreat we did, we went <laughs> off-roading on Jeeps, which scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I was freaking out most of anybody. I was like, oh my God, why did I do this? Um, but just to kind of get that, you know, your adrenaline going and realize you, you are alive and it like you can be, you can have another life outside your caregiving role. And then we can dig into the curriculum and pull all that emotional stuff out that we need to kind of unpack and deal with. And so that's, that was the deal with the arch. We had monthly and then we had retreats and then we, to how we got to be as no barriers, Connor, they had contacted us after Connor. We went to the summit and their summit is amazing. Um, it's for people all abilities and in the mountains. Um, and so Connor, like, that's where he found wheelchair basketball that he played through high school and he got to travel all over the country doing that, which is super cool. Yeah, that is awesome. And yeah, like how, how cool is that? Like, I mean, I know he, you know, that's, I always tell him we got to grieve and feel what you need to feel, but then we have to, you have to move on and go at some point and what are you going to be now? And, you know, there's, you have a lot of avenues and especially being in Colorado. So he did that and he rode horses, all this stuff. And so no barriers. Um, we just got to know them really well. And I did my retreat up at their mountain campus, um, which was super fun. They have this ropes course um, and climbing. We have these people that had never even like taken a vacation and they get to come up to Colorado, which is like a bucket list for a lot of people. And then they got to climb and be on the river and um, get a massage, you know, just kind of really mix it up. And then, um, it's easy to form those bonds too with the, with that people with like your rope team and so no barriers I went to them kind of jokingly and said you're not serving caregivers and everybody you bring to your event more than likely has a caregiver yeah so you should bring me in <laughs> and I'll start a program and they called my bluff I was like oh I was not thinking <laughs> you would do that <laughs> so they did <laughs> and, he, and so they we merged and now I um, developed the caregiver program with their curriculum, which is amazing. And um, yeah, and so this year we have three retreats happening. Um, we're gonna follow all COVID precautions, all that, you know, oh, yeah. and be safe. But yeah, it's for any family caregiver that um, we, like, like I said, if, it's, if you care for someone with a disability, mental, rare disease, uh, all of that chronic, uh, you qualify and um and we have three of those and they're they're nate was on my last one in moab and like he's so fun isn't he i just love him. yeah he, he was awesome to talk to yeah <laughs> and it's awesome because it, it's a little different we're not again like we're not climbing 14ers because if you ask a caregiver to do that they would probably laugh in your face like, oh my god <laughs> no you want me to do what <laughs> Like I do that every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> like like kind of, you know, if you look at all the stuff we do. And so it's a little bit different. It's definitely kind of more chill. Like, you know, it, there's respite in there. They need that. Yeah. So it's different in that way, but we still do the same curriculum that we do. And um, we have a lot of fun and people just to see them completely transform in those three days and to realize that this might be one of the only trips they take you know yeah they're able to and so really it has such value and such and like i said that word is overused but it, it is impact and it changes people's lives and they go home and even a year later they're talking to the people they met there and their 
really engaging in self-care and you've totally transformed how they think and how they feel about themselves and they've forgiven themselves and forgiven other people and you know just all these like major life things that it that those three days you were able you know to make happen and then they it kind of sit and soaks and it has this seed that spreads and it's just like i'm so lucky that i get to do this as a job yeah well that's you know, obviously it sounds like you're one, you're very um, much of a glass half full type of person, which is, which is awesome. Given kind of the whole story behind that. Um, and I, and I, yeah, it's, and also, yeah, it's super interesting to me here that, you know, when you find yourself in that situation that you weren't finding other organizations like that, cause that makes complete sense because, you know, you're, 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 you're focused on, on that one person and, but to be the best person that you can be, first of all, for that person you're taking care of, you need to be the best person version of yourself too. I, I've not necessarily speaking from experience, but thinking from like a, just like a family standpoint, you know, raise you know, with being a good husband or dad or, you know, whatever like that. So I would assume the same situation. Um, and totally, it also makes sense with the whole kind of um, bottling in those emotions that, cause confusion and maybe even sometimes some resentment towards the person they're caring for, even though it's, you know, it's nobody's yeah. fault. Um, but to be able to, like you say, kind of give that permission. Yeah. You know, so-and-so, so-and-so was a, was a pain in the butt last week because of this and, and just knowing <laughs> that, okay, like you can, you know, that you can, you can do that. You need to get those emotions out. And it's, yeah. and, and it almost sounds like kind of this, the Saren, it, it's, it's interesting, I guess the Saren, dipitous uh part of it too with your son just going to no barriers as a participant himself and then you seeing that opportunity and now boom now you're helping all these other people with kind of that that backing of the no barriers kind of programs in general so it's it's really interesting to hear that story how everything kind of came together in the best way it could giving the circumstances if that makes sense yeah and thanks for saying that i appreciate that it's i think you're and you're right on the money and for whatever reason like you think about that like you said being a better husband or a parent we take the time and that's looked at as okay to do but for caregivers for whatever reason it, it isn't always self-evident they don't do that i don't identify to do that and so that's um definitely like you hit the nail on the head on that one like just you have to be a, the best person you can be to bring it to others right your cup has to be full you yeah. can't give away a, like an empty bucket and so I think I'm definitely a, I like to call myself a tragic optimist <laughs> because we're like, as the human condition is, right? We're all have pain. We all have suffering. We all, we might experience it on different levels. We all have heartbreaks. Our spirits get, you know, broken and we have to rebuild that or you can choose to rebuild it. And I've always chosen to do that and found it pretty easy because I, we have a three day rule in our house that you can, I encourage you to go dark. We're big sci-fi fantasy dorks. <laughs> so I'm like, go to the depths of Mordor. You, know, you need to be like, feel all those feels. Like really, like I want you, you have to process that. Yeah. Day, yeah, do what you need to do. And then on day four, you know, if you spent three days in bed, if that's how you decided to do it, day four, I'm going to get you out of bed and you need to figure out how you're going to process it. Is that getting the boxing gloves out and hitting the punching bag? Is that riding? Is that going out and throwing rocks? Or is that screaming? Like whatever you need to do to get that crap out, get it out. And um, 
and then you gotta let go and grow. We have to like move forward. And so that's what we do in our family. And I mean, we all, the boys, if they're having a moment, we're like, I gotta have, I gotta have my three days. And I'm like, okay. And I'll do that too. Like 2020 was crazy hard just on a personal level. My father passed, I went back and they, my dad passed by suicide. And my mom is in, in stage mixed Alzheimer's and dementia. So we had to, you know, after following a death and something, and he, it happened when I was there. So just crazy, like on top of a pandemic and everything, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and yeah. I have a reoccurrence of skin cancer and you're just like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, I can only take so much. But even through all that, you know, I had to take my three-day rule. And I think it, the boys see that like, okay, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's totally normal. But at some point you have to let that go. And um, I think the biggest experience for me an example I hope I gave the boys um, and others, the gentleman that hit Connor, I think I'm going down a rabbit hole. I don't remember where I was going with this. Um, he, the gentleman that hit Connor, I had written early on that I wanted two lives to be better instead of worse, meaning that I would want him to get better because he had some issues, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And that he needed to work on himself. And I wanted Connor's life to be better for this. And I remember he, he at first he was like, how could it be better? You know, he was in that anger stage where I was moving. I'm older and more life experienced and was ready to, you know, kind of, and you have to let him go at his own pace. And I said, yeah, like you have to look at, I know it's completely drastic and crazy, but look at, look at the new dreams and what can we go here? And like your brother has said, and I don't know if it's okay to say a four letter word, you can edit it, but this comes from, it's a direct quote. My youngest son was like, Connor, since you've gotten hit, we've been able to do the coolest shit. And I was like, <laughs> 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 and I was like you need to kind of look at it like that. And I was like, I'm glad I can entertain y'all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, you know, I just tell the boys like, I'm not Pollyanna. But, you know, feel it and then you have to let it go and just, and then I asked Connor for his grace to meet with the gentleman and let him know that I forgave him. I did that through restorative justice, which is an amazing program where they bring, um, I hate this word, they say they, you know, they bring the victim together with the perpetrator or whatever, but to me, it's the person that hurt you. Yeah. Because I don't consider ourselves, you know, victims. We, something crappy happened and you just kind of have to pivot and realize how you're dealing with it and go from there and so met him and was able to have this like really amazing beautiful moment in which you wouldn't think saying that you're with a person that blew up your life you know but just let him know that I forgave him and I really I truly meant it and I was able just to release so much stuff and I wanted him I just said you know I'm just asking you to be better be better than you were that day that you hit my son and left him I'm going to try to be better than I was that day because that wasn't my best day. And we're both going to fail at it, but hopefully we can get back up and try. And it was just this really powerful, cathartic experience. And he was really receptive and open to it. And um, it was just this like really cool moment. And the boys were, they still sometimes will talk about it. Like, I, you know, I can't believe. And I tell Connor, I hope one day you can get there. I understand if you can't, but it would be really healing and good for you. But, you know, I think that's just how I try to model that for them. And I know not everybody's that way, but we kind of do that three day rule and try to look at it like that tragic optimism, like, yeah, it sucks, but 
what can we learn? What's, what good has come out of this? Because I do believe, and that's a choice, you know, you have to make a choice to find something good. You have to make a choice to try to um, be better and do better and change, you know, when that's yeah. thrown your way. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think it's, it sounds like, you know, obviously from your experience as well, but it's, it sounds like it's a very helpful way to look at it and you know like you said what what good what good is going to come out of this what how can we make something good out of this and you know and it, and it sounds like you all have done a really good good job of that as a family uh, and to be able to pass that along as well with you know the 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 caregiver program and yeah. kind of are there any are there any like interesting like i mean i'm sure there's you know, you all do a lot of different trips and stuff, but are, are there any like stories that might kind of stand out to you as far as like, you know, maybe there was somebody that was sort of hesitant of, you know, I can, I can change this perspective or whatnot. And then, you know, maybe through the program, like you saw them transform in a different way or is, or is there any like specific stories like that? Or is it kind of all kind um, of, I mean, I think everybody goes to that, but a few stick out in my mind. There's one, when I started the arch, she came and she's really young and her husband um, had a spinal cord injury pretty high up. And to be young and like have you had your whole life in front of you, you know, and they were really outdoorsy, all this stuff. And she was sitting around the uh, table as we were doing cocktails for caregivers. And she's like, I just want to look in the mirror and know who that person is because I have no idea who I am anymore. And that's a pretty, like, that's a big thing to say, you know, like, whoa, okay, first yeah. so get, get to that point. You have to be pretty, you know, low and then to have, to recognize it and then want to change it. And she, I, I've never met anybody that was, has been so game for anything I've thrown at her. I'm like, you want to do this, this, that? She's like, yes, yes. I mean, she's just like that yes person after it's like, she had to voice that. And after that, she's, man, if everybody could have her like, yes, like even she's more adventurous than me. Cause she was so excited for the Jeep ride. And I was freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. And then we've had others come in that there's a lot of trauma. Like if you have secondary PTSD, like I said, depression, there might be abuse in there from your partner or, you know, and we have 50% of our caregivers are military caregivers. So they're dealing with the mental and like you have their stories of this one woman, her husband had such severe PTSD that at night he would lock the house down turn on um, all their cameras, go around with a, you know, with a weapon and make, he's just thinking people were coming in and how to protect your kids from that. Another oh, wow. woman came in with her husband. I know it gets dark quick. <laughs> he's just like, hey, just burrow. Um, and then another came in as her husband was trying to commit suicide. She had to cut him down. I mean, like, like really intense stuff that I think people, when you hear caregiving, you don't quite realize you have the mental you have the physical aspect, but you also have that mental that is yeah. that's so deep and hard and man, it takes it out of you. Cause I grew up with that. You know, I still deal with it with my mom. And then when Connor gets in his dark phases, trying to help him and, and you feel fairly powerless, like, Oh my God, I can't, I control the situation. And so to have them come in a feel okay that it's to say that because they were embarrassed. They're like, Oh, you can't talk about it. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I have, 
for me, nothing is off the table. If you're respectful and come in and say, hey, I really have to say this, I encourage you to do that. And then for everybody else there to not have judgment, you know, like don't do it, let them say what they need to say and you just be supportive and just listen. And so to have these people come in and divulge that and be able to get it out and then maybe they're scared. They're watching everybody else climb and they're like, there's no way I can do that. I can't, uh -uh. I'm not going to do it. And where it's always challenged by choice, but then to get them on the rock and have them climb up and hit the, you know, be at the top of the pitch is just, and how they come down and feel about themselves like that before and after they're just like, Oh my God. Like that they confidence. Just that confidence and that self-worth because again, they're not believing they're worth it. They don't think that they deserve to come out and do this. And just like, just that one activity. And then you put like, they've never been on um, whitewater before and you show them the Poudre River and they're like, what? We're going <laughs> to go. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, to have them do that and you just see them transform like right there in that moment. And they've just gained all that confidence, like you said, and believe in themselves. And now know they have people to get it. They're not alone. They're not isolated anymore. And having all those thoughts and to deal with such heavy, heavy stuff. Um, and then when they go home to see them three months later, figure out how to get together with maybe three of the other people from the trip and they do yeah. the trip, you know, it's like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. And they're still online and they're engaging and now they're helping other caregivers. It's like pretty cool to see. Um, and to see them laugh, like some of them we've heard I, from several people, I forgot how to laugh. I've never laughed so much in my life, except for on that trip. Like I said, dark humor is big with me and we need to be able to laugh it off and not take it so seriously, you know? Like some people get, get so serious. And we, yes, there's a time and place, but there's also a time and place to, you know, it's okay to, to laugh at stuff. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Laugh and let go and, and not yeah. take things so serious that even they are obviously serious, but, you know, give, give yourself that permission to kind of, you know, switch, flip the switch a little bit there. Yeah. And being outside, like I've talked about before, you feel, you can feel pretty small and insignificant. Like, oh my gosh, like I really, we're here for just a second and this, I'm just going to try to, that's what you hear most too. It's like, oh my gosh, I haven't been living. I got to get back to living. And it's, that's really awesome to hear. It makes me happy. Like I'm doing something right, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's, well, <laughs> it, def it, it, it definitely sounds like you are. It sounds like you're, you're helping a lot of people um, as well through that. So it's really awesome to hear. To, to that point, what I know, I know, we go through this, the uh, you know, the past couple minutes or whatnot, and talk about, and you know, you dropped a lot of hints of advice. But if there was like one, one takeaway, I guess that you could give somebody that is a, as a caregiver and, and kind of trying to you know make that switch of hey, you know, I, I I can give my permission myself permission to do this. What would be that one that one piece of advice to kind of help them sort of? push them over the edge per se, you know, to, to kind of get to that spot. I would say the biggest thing I tell people is that first of all, you need to give yourself grace, you know, like none of it, we're all human and you can't like you don't put yourself um, in a bubble. So be graceful with yourself, forgive yourself, and then start advocating for yourself just as hard as you advocate for your loved ones. Like, yeah. You are worth that. And what, yes, you can do that. And I encourage you to do that. 
you know, in ways that are like, well, I don't know how to do that. That's what I've realized people just don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so with that advocate for yourself and you can do that, make appointments with yourself. I have a weekly appointment on my calendar and even if it's for 30 minutes, everybody knows that sacred timing. You do not mess with that, with that you know, I'm like, that, no, I don't care what's going on unless it's like another crazy thing that's happened in my life, which could come or given my life. Um, that's my time. And then how, you can reframe how people ask you about yourself, have them ask about your kids first and then your partner and then you and then your loved one that way everybody feels seen and heard so just advocate for yourself just like you would for anybody like your loved one that's awesome and and that that makes makes a ton of sense as well so where where can people um find find the program online and and kind of the different resources and if they want to get involved with some upcoming retreats or anything like that where's where's the best place that people connect that way yeah, so our applications are open through March, or what do I do this March? April. <laughs> Let me try that again. Our applications are open to through um, April 3rd, and you can find that at our No Barriers website, and that's www.nobarriersusa.org, and then you'll go to the tab where it says caregivers, um, and um, it's it'll come up right there. And then we also have a private Facebook group, No Barriers Caregivers. You can find information on there if you join the group and then all my information is on the website that's heathers okali and um it's pretty easy to contact me that way so yeah i encourage people to apply if you know a caregiver you can nominate them both of those things and um it's definitely worth it and then we do have caregiver tracks in our summit and then what's your everest as well those other two programs so i'm trying to get caregivers in everything (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's awesome. Well, uh, everybody definitely check out everything online and, and, you know, see how you can get involved. Um, or like you said, you know, nominate somebody. Um, but, uh, Heather, thank you for, for being on the show today and kind of sharing your, your story of not only, um, of what you're, of the impact you're making on others, but also, you know, sharing your, your kind of overall positivity from your own personal life experiences, which is, um, pretty inspiring in itself to me, you know, kind of, kind of hearing those stories and kind of talk, talking to you and kind of hearing your outlook is it's, it's really, it's really awesome and refreshing. So I appreciate you being open with that stuff and, and, uh, sharing with everybody. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I hope I didn't ramble too much there. Um, but I, it was super fun talking to you and I appreciate you having me on and helping educate everybody about caregivers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, and you you did the perfect amount of rambling, so it was perfect. No, just <laughs> I can be around like super ADD, so. <laughs> uh, but but thank you again, and, and uh, best of luck to to the rest of the year for you. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.